Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing, everybody say times of refreshing, may come from the presence of the Lord. There is something about getting into the presence of the Lord that has the ability to refresh you no matter where you are in your life. If you can get into the presence of God, He wants to refresh you. And so we've been talking about through this series a number of things, but uh, common traits in the lives of people who are life-giving, life-filled people. We went through four of them in, the, in uh, a couple of weeks ago. Last week we talked about how life-giving people, life-filled people are filled with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God. This word spirit is translated to pneuma in the Greek, and it means the breath or the wind of God. When the, when the Holy Spirit invades your life, when He comes into you, it's like, to, it's like a breath of fresh air into your whole life and your world. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some things we learned about the wind of God that, that help us understand the, the Spirit of God was that wind is unseen. Wind is unseen. The Holy Spirit is unseen. We can see His effects and we can feel Him, but we cannot see Him. makes it hard sometimes uh, for uh, us to believe in him but the bible says that faith is the evidence of things not seen it's it's being convicted about things that we cannot see i am convicted that the holy spirit is at work in our lives number two wind is unpredictable it goes where it wants it does what it wants you can't tell it to stop you can't tell it to go left it's going to do what it wants to do and the holy spirit he's in charge he's doing his thing he comes on us and he fills us and he tells us to go left and he tells us to go right but we don't, this is another thing that causes problems as we embrace the Holy Spirit because we want to be in control all the time. And it's, you can't be in control and also follow the Holy Spirit. So we reject that. But I encourage you to take a leap of faith. Take a leap of faith and follow the Holy Spirit. Number three, wind is powerful. It's powerful. And when the whole, you, are, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when He breathes into your life, He breathes supernatural power. Here's the problem. It's the same wind that brings power that's also unseen and unpredictable. And if you don't believe in an unseen Holy Spirit and you're not willing to follow an unpredictable God, then you're probably not going to live a life filled with the supernatural power of God. Thank you for that amen right there. That's the realities. They go together. You get them all. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get them all. Embrace them all, though. But I'm telling you, the supernatural life of the Holy Spirit is the only way to live. And I want to I conclude uh, our, our series today. And we'll jump, we'll jump off here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Reading from the NIV. Whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner, everybody say manner, worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, this is Paul talking now, he's in prison. He said, whether I get out of here and come to see you or not, or I only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit. Notice that spirit right here is capitalized. It's referring to the Holy Spirit. It's that same word, pneuma, that we have translated last week. I will know 
by what I hear about you, what people are saying about you, how you're acting in the world, when it comes back to me, I will know if you are standing in unity, standing firm in the Spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Here's what Paul says. I don't even have to come to you. All I need to do is hear what people say about you, hear what they, how they say you're acting and responding, what manner in which you live, and I'll know if you're walking in the Spirit, if, if the Holy Spirit is working through you, or if you're out doing your own thing. This is challenging words from the Apostle Paul. The manner in which they lived, how they lived, the way they lived, how they acted, uh, their attitudes that the world around them, how they, and how they acted towards the world around them. Here's what Paul is saying. Here's what Paul is saying. What kind of fruit is this? Orange. Paul said, if I see an orange, I immediately know where did this orange come from? Not H-E-B, it came from an orange tree. Okay? Oranges aren't grown under the ground, right? Oranges don't grow on a vine, right? It's not a potato, it's not a grape, it's an orange. Oranges are grown on trees. Paul said, the moment I see an orange, I immediately, number one, know that it's an orange and I can recognize it. I can taste and see that it is an orange, Right? Remember the psalmist wrote, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When the Lord is working in your life, there is a flavor to it that is recognizable. He said, number three, I know exactly where it came from. It came from an orange tree. It didn't come from an apple tree. It came from an orange tree. Right here we have, what's this? An apple. Where did the apple come from? Did it come from an orange tree? No, we know that the apple comes from an apple tree. It, it, it's not going to come from a vine. It's not going to grow in the ground. It comes from an apple tree. Same thing. Paul said, if I see an apple, I can see it. I can taste it. I recognize it. And I know where it came from. One last one. What is this right here? Banana. Where'd it come from? A banana tree. It did not come from a pear tree. Okay. It didn't. It came from a banana tree. Same thing. Paul said, I can look and here, in the manner in which you're living, how you're acting to the people around you, what they're saying about you, how you've lived, and your attitude, and I can tell you, you either came from the Spirit or you did not. You're either living a life of the Spirit or you did not. Because the fruit simply displays where it came from. Paul said, I, I, I want to know. I don't, even, I don't even have to come. I'm in prison, but when people come through and they talk about you, uh, Philippians, when they talk about the, that church, remember he was writing to the church at Philippi, and so when he said, when they talk to me about you by how you live, how you interact with the world, what kind of attitudes you have, I'll know whether or not the Spirit is at work in you. Here's the question. If I were to ask people in your family, your neighbors, people you work with and I would say hey how is so and so doing what would they say about you and could I sit back and go yeah the fruit of their life clearly says they're filled with the spirit or could I would I say no see Paul goes on later in Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 you'll be familiar with this scripture 
He's going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit, before he, but before he does that, he talks about the fruit of the flesh. He says, when you follow your sinful desires, the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. He said, it's, it's very easy to see. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to note here in this list how many of them have to do with emotions and attitudes, how we treat people around us. Anger, jealousy, quarreling, hostility, selfish ambition, dissension, division. They they have to do with our attitude, how we treat people. Then he goes on and he says, uh, in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God, the wind of God, when he's at work in your life, he produces this kind of fruit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control and gentleness. There against these, there is no law. Again, how many of these reflect attitudes? Do you have a peaceful attitude or a hostile attitude? Were you angry this morning or were you patient this morning? (laughs) Going to church can get you, boy. The devil loves to get you on Sunday morning. Moms, you know what I'm talking about? Like he will just, he'll just try to ruin your day. You don't come into, you don't enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You enter like trying not to kill some folks, you know, like. I can't tell you how many hairbrush whippings I got on the way to church on a Sunday morning. Just whop. (laughs) They have to do with our, our attitude. Our attitude. How are we treating the world around us? How are we acting as we go through life? Things are going to happen. Later, Paul writes to Timothy. Is it okay if we read some scriptures today? Later, Paul writes to Timothy in in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. He says, here's how you're going to recognize it. One of the ways you recognize it is because you're going to see people with last days attitudes. Let's see if you recognize any of them. For people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. They will be boastful and proud. You know any of those folks? scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. Watch this. Ungrateful, considering nothing as sacred. He keeps going. They will be unloving and unforgiving, slandering others, have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. Do you see how he says you can look at people's attitudes and one of the ways you'll recognize the signs of the times isn't just earthquakes and volcanoes and the sky turning red. No, it is you can recognize it in the attitudes of the spirit of of not just one person, but of an entire society and generation. We recognize it by our attitudes. On the flip side, here's what we are instructed to do in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 23. Throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And instead, throw all that stuff off 
And instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. We, we quote a lot of Romans chapter 12 about the renewing of our mind. But right here, Paul says it isn't just about your mind. It's also about your attitude. Life-giving people control their attitudes rather than letting their attitudes control them. Are you living your life in response to everything that's going on and let your, letting your emotions and your attitudes take you where they will? Or are you staying in control of your attitude so that the, the fruits of the Spirit can be born in your life? Because life-giving people, people filled with the Spirit of God, they're in control of their attitude. Life-giving people renew their attitudes. But you know, it's, it's easy to talk about. It's easy to talk about having a good attitude, but it's much harder to do. This is the hard part. Four ways to renew your attitude. Are you ready? Number one, you've got to make the choice every day. You can't make it like once and then be good for a couple of weeks, right? <laughs> you have to make it every day. You might have to take, make it multiple times in the day. We have to make a decision every day. Here's what Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Just so we can be clear, Jesus Christ is the model. The attitudes that you see in him are the attitudes that we are supposed to have. And, I, and he said, this is where we're going. This is a must. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You know, bad attitudes can be addicting. Bad attitudes can be habit-forming. You can spend so much time with a bad attitude that you don't even realize you have it anymore because it's just the norm. People come to you and say, oh, are you okay today? Of course I'm okay today. Why are they asking you that? Because your attitude is off. We, we can have such a bad attitude for so long that we don't even recognize it. Just because you had a good attitude yesterday does not mean that you can get complacent today. You have to make the choice every day. I got a prayer for you that I think you ought to pray every morning, okay? I'm going to put it on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. You might want to take a picture of this. You ready? Dear Lord, this is before you get out of bed right here, okay? Dear Lord, I'm doing all right. I haven't gossiped, lost my temper, been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. I have not whined, cursed, or eaten too much chocolate. However, I'm going to get out of bed in a few minutes, and I will need a lot of help with all of that. Amen. <laughs> Lord, I ain't getting out of this bed until I pray this prayer right here, and I need some help, God. Uh, you know, we should at least start the day with a good attitude, right? And this is hard for me. Y'all know that I am not a morning person, right? It is hard for me. I do not get up bouncing off the walls. My wife gets up, man, and she is like ready to take on the world. She's happy. She's joyful. She feels great. She's all excited. And I'm just looking at her with a death stare. <laughs> you know, it's just like, what are you doing? So for me, it's all about how I start the day. I've got to get up and say, God, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. My attitude is going to be right. Help me, Lord. D just let me at least get through breakfast before getting mad at my kids today. I just, in Jesus' name, it's going to be a good day. 
I have amazing kids. But we got to start the day right. Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and 19, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death. You've got life and you've got death. You've got blessings and you've got cursings. For three chapters now, four chapters, he's been talking about the blessings and the cursings that that you have at your disposal. You make a decision. Here's what he says. Now, you choose life. I'm laying them out to you. You choose life. My dad had an amazing father. One of the things he always did to me, for me, or sometimes to me, uh, and it was, what he taught me was he would always give me two roads. If you do this, this is going to happen. If you do this, that is going to happen. Now you get to make the decision which it is. And if behind door number one, he said he was going to beat my tail. If I chose to open door number one, He didn't get angry and upset and frustrated. He just simply beat my tail. Because he he wanted me to have this clear understanding between you get to make the decision. And many times in life, we know the consequences long before we make the decision. But we make the decision and then we want to come running and say, I'm so sorry I didn't mean it. You absolutely meant it. I absolutely meant it. I can't tell you how many times I absolutely meant it. And then I come asking for forgiveness. And it's like, you're forgiven. You're also going to get the whipping. (laughs) Here's what God said. You have a choice. Life and blessings. Choose life. Choose life every day. Make the decision every day. Every day, make the decision. It's not about what happened yesterday. It's about what happens today. Make the decision. You say, well, I had a bad attitude this morning. Hey, you know what? Right here while you're in this service, choose life. Choose to have a Christ-like attitude and turn it around. Can I get an amen this morning? Number two is this. Number two is this. Really love people. If you want to renew your attitude, really love people. Check out what John the Beloved, John the Revelator, wrote to us. Little children, and I love that he starts this way. (laughs) It's a little bit condescending, and yet at the same time, we all need to hear it. Let us stop just saying that we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. How many times in our lives do we say we love people in our minds? We're like, I don't really love you, but I'm going to say I love you. And then I'm going to act like I don't love you, even though I say I love you. Really love people and show it in how you interact with them. Show it in how you treat them. When you really love people, it will change things in you. Loving people isn't about just about saying it. John said, little children. It's like he's talking to us and say, guys, grow up. Grow up. You're saying one thing and doing another thing. Grow up and really love people. Yeah, but they do this and they do that. I know I understand all that. Really love people. Why should I really love them? You know why? Because Jesus really loved you when you were bad too. 
He really loved you long before you ever really loved him. So why don't we really love others before they really love you back? Peter said it like this, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, reading in the Message Bible, summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, and be humble. This is how we should interact with the world. Doesn't mean we always have to get run over. Doesn't mean we have to be a doormat for everyone. No. But we should be agreeable, and sympathetic, and loving, and compassionate, and humble. How are you treating people? Are you treating people like you really love them or not? I love what he goes on to say. <laughs> that goes for all of you, no exceptions. Let's just be real clear. Well, Pastor Renner, I don't have to do that today because I took the day off. No exceptions. But they treated me horrible. No exceptions. But they don't love me. No exceptions. It's for all of us. That goes for everyone. If you're watching online right now, you know, don't turn me off. This is what Paul said. That goes for all of us. No exceptions. What was your attitude like when you were eating at the restaurant the other day and your food took too long to come? And then when it got there, it came out wrong. Did you act like you really loved those people or other? How, how, how'd you act when, when things went wrong and Somebody cut you off driving down the highway. Somebody pulled into your parking. You waited right there. You were waiting for that front row parking spot, and somebody just whipped right in and took it. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Really love people. Number three. You doing okay this morning? I really like this one. Uh, it's real simple. Control your tongue. Control your tongue. We'll keep reading in 1 Peter chapter 3. Stay in this same verse here. That goes for all of you. No exceptions. No retaliation. No sharp-tongued sarcasm. Oh, God. I, I, I shouldn't have read the Message Bible. It didn't say sarcasm in the other versions. <laughs> he had to get real with me in the Message Bible. No sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless that's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing, and you'll also get a blessing. Verse 10, whoever wants to embrace life, the, the life that Jesus came for, the life that he wants for you, the, the life-giving, life-filled, energetic, breath of fresh air life, and see the day filled up with good. How many want to see your day filled up with good? And I just woke up this morning, I want to see my day filled with good. Here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Oh. You know, like, like, and sometimes Paul just gets straight to the point. He could be downright rude, I think, sometimes. Like, come on, I want to be evil and hurtful every now and then. It just feels good. And he's like, no, if you want your day filled up with good, bless people. Don't say anything evil or hurtful. So we really love people. And then we control our tongue. Controlling your tongue goes a long way to controlling your attitude. You know, you can talk yourself into a bad attitude. 
You weren't in a bad attitude, and then you got to talking about it, and you talked yourself right into a bad attitude. Have you ever been there? Like you were feeling good, and somebody said, hey, how's your day going? And then you got to tell them about the day, and by the time you got through telling them about the day, you were mad. You weren't even mad. You didn't even realize all those bad things happened, but when you put them all into a 30-second conversation, you were like, man, this has been a bad day. Or maybe you had long since been over something that happened to you. Somebody asked you, said, hey, man, tell me what happened. By the time you get through, tell them you're mad again. You're upset again. You're ready to get out for blood and vengeance again. You already spent four weeks trying to forgive them because your food took too long. You can talk yourself into a bad attitude, but let me tell you something else. You can also talk yourself out of a bad attitude. If you can talk yourself into a bad attitude, you can talk yourself into a good attitude. Change the way you're speaking, especially when it's hard. We're teaching, uh, you know, my kids, and it's, it's pretty common at, the, at this age, especially my son's age, they're nine, and they put so much pressure on themselves when they're playing ball and things, playing baseball, that every time they get out, they think they're suspo- supposed to hit a home run every time they get up. And well, when they don't, they strike out or something bad happens, they, they, you know, they struggle to control their attitude, there are tears, there's weeping, there's gnashing of teeth, it's a bad deal. And so we got to this place where, you know, we were just trying to be creative in how to teach this lesson to our kids, and so uh, we came up with this money system, and I said, you know, I'll give you like a dollar if you have a good attitude, if you just do okay, you get nothing, but if you have a bad attitude, you owe me money. So the kids have banks, and you know, we're all, they, are, they, they still owe me money. Like just, but, but so Randy comes out here a while back, and he has this incredible game. He throws like a complete game, shut out. He was lights out. Uh, I think he had one hit, and he was like two for two in the game. I mean, he just has this incredible game. game and as we're driving home, he goes, Dad, how much money did I make today? Why would I pay you money? Because I had a great attitude today. I'm not worried about you having a good attitude when you're playing out of your mind the best you've ever played and everything is going well and your team is winning and you're carrying home a championship trophy. I don't care about that. What I care about is when things don't go your way, how does your attitude? And isn't that true in life? When everything is going good, it's easy to be smiling and happy. But real life-giving people... They're not dependent upon their circumstances or what just happened, but they control their attitude every day because they control their tongue. Okay, number four, number four, number four. Develop a high appreciation for life. Develop a high appreciation for life. Don't devalue your life and don't devalue the lives of the people around you. We need to have a high appreciation for life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. Here's what Paul said. He said, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. Notice the contrast here. Our hearts are aching, but we have joy. We are poor, and yet we give spiritual riches to others. We have nothing, and yet we're giving away from what we have. We own nothing. And Paul means this in a very literal sense. He's not talking about spiritual things. He, owns, he says, I own nothing. I've got a few changes of clothes and that's about it. Spent much of his ministry in prison or, or in jail. I own nothing. And yet, we have everything. 
he can say all this because he has a high appreciation of life. He has a high appreciation of what God is doing in his life. He has a high appreciation that God is working on his behalf. And when everything may not look like it's going his way, all things are working according to the, for the good of those who love God. He has a high appreciation of life. The, the contrast there. We tend to look at circumstances to determine how valuable our life is. We tend to look at our bank account or the clothes we're wearing or the car we're driving or the house we live in to determine the value of our life. Paul said, I've got nothing and yet I have everything. You know, the one thing we need to value our life is to know that God came and he died for you. Just listen, and, and, and I could go through the whole scripture, but just, just really quickly. He created you and he gave you dominion of the earth. He desired to have relationship with you despite your mistakes. He sent his only son to die on a cross for your sins so that you could spend eternity with him. He sent the Holy Spirit to be your helper and your guide and your comfort, comforter and to give you supernatural power. He is right now in heaven preparing a place for you so you can come and live with him in eternity. He gave you benefits that accompany salvation while you were on the earth. He would love to spend just a few minutes with you every day of your life. He is constantly working things out for your good. That's how much value that God has placed on your life. Why must we take away from that? Talking bad about ourselves, saying bad about things, moaning and complaining and whining. We should be more like Paul. I have nothing and yet I have everything. I am poor and yet I am giving of what I have. I, my heart is hurting. I have been through some things. I have been hurt. I have been broken. And yet somehow the joy of the Lord is my strength. If God has that much appreciation for your life, you should too. Don't base your appreciation for your life or the life of others based off of per, uh, possessions or circumstances, but just the fact that God loved us when we didn't deserve to be loved. Find something positive in everything. Paul wrote in Philippians 4 and 8, find something positive in everything. When you find it, when you find whatever is good and right and noble, think on those things. You can think on the bad things for a long time, but find something good and think about it. Turn everything over to God. He said, don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present our request to God. That with thanksgiving, that talks about the attitude. It's the attitude with which we come to God. I was, I was talking to a friend this morning on the way in, and he hadn't, didn't even know that I was talking about this verse, and yet he brought it up. We were talking, and, it, and it's just this idea. We, we relate it to our kids, and your kids come in whining and moaning and complaining, and they ask for stuff, and you're like, look around you. Look at all of what you have, and you're, and you're acting so mistreated, like you don't have a good life. You come to me, but what happens when your kid come to you and they're so grateful? thank you for all that you do. I don't, I don't deserve anything else. I, I, I mean, I, I, I am loved. You care for me. You've given me a place to live. You take me to church. You get me to school. You care about my education. You care about my health. You care about my happiness. I've got clothes to wear. You let me do things I don't deserve, but yet I still want to ask, how do you respond to your kids? It changes their attitude and how they come to you changes how you respond to them. When we come to God, we don't just come moaning and complaining in prayer, but we come in. Like, God, I am so grateful to you. 
I am so thankful for you. I love you. You have appreciated me long before I appreciated myself. You valued me long before I valued myself. I don't deserve to even be in your presence, and yet your presence is here, and he is here right now. Last is this. We go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 23. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. I don't know how you came in here today. I don't know if you came in here and you've had an attitude all week long and you've been frustrated all week long. You've been angry all week long. You've been right on the line of perturbed all week long. You know, what I often see in people, and, and I see this all the time, um, life gets us frustrated. And it's like, um, it's like if you have a glass, the glass can only hold so much water. Even when we're not frustrated right at that moment, the glass is still so full of so many other things that it doesn't take but one little, one little drop to cause all of that to overflow and come out of us again. We never get the glass emptied of all the negative and filled with the love of God again. And I think that's what Paul is talking to us about here. Get rid of that. Get rid of that old former way of life. You're living on the edge. And even when you get a good night's rest, it doesn't take much during the day to get you right back where you were. That, that it's corrupted by lust and deception. And it's, it's going to lead you down a wrong path. But instead, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitude. Here's what we're going to do today. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. Because this is a choice that we have to make every day to let the Holy Spirit renew our attitudes. You say, Pastor Rand, I, I struggle. I do. I struggle. You know, uh, some people get angry. Some people yell. Some people complain. Some people whine. Some people get quiet and bitter. They let it brew and, and, and just get ugly on the inside before they explode but you know what's going on inside. I wanna ask that the Holy Spirit would renew, refresh, just remove all of that and fill us again with Him, with His presence, with His love, that we might be refreshed. Can I speak over you? Peace and love and joy and hope and patience and kindness and gentleness and long-suffering and, and long-suffering and, and long-suffering and goodness and self-control. You can control your emotions. It's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When He's living in you, you get self-control. You don't have to be angry just because everyone else is, just because the situation demands it. But no, you can be in control. I want to pray today for everyone watching online, everyone here. How many of you would like the Lord to renew your attitude today just renew me today lord father i thank you for sending your holy spirit here you're sending him to help us and to lead us and to guide us but also to renew our thoughts and our attitudes so many things in our way god that can pull us to the left and pull us to the right and pull us down and keep us caught in the muck of life but lord i am praying right now that you would just Take all of that away and renew us. Give us a fresh start. It, it, it's a new moment. It's a new day. 
It's a new week, Lord God. Renew us from deep inside. Lord, things that were hidden, we didn't even know why we were responding that way. Father, I pray that you would renew those places in our lives. For every person here, for every person watching at home, may we be refreshed in the presence of God. May we bear the fruit of the Spirit that anyone who sees us or even hears about us would know that the Spirit is at work in our lives patience and kindness and goodness and peace and love. We release it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.